0: You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stongy, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking together at John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, and we're going to be talking about our need to know God and how God has made it possible for us to know Him. But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. As I share every week, I want to encourage you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com. We have a lot of resources there. We have our blog and our Bible studies, our bookstore, links to our podcasts, a sign-up list to be on our newsletter. The goal of everything that we put on the website is to ultimately be something that the Lord uses to strengthen your walk with Him. So we hope you'll take advantage of the resources that we make available there. It's our privilege to make them available to you, and again, we hope that they aid you in your walk with Christ. DesireJesus.com is our website. Don't forget to sign up to be on our weekly newsletter list. I hope the weather is nice where you're at. Right now here in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, it's beautiful. It's a little bit hot today, a little bit warm, But it's the type of day that allows you to get some projects done outside. And so today, my wife and I took some time to clean the cars. We actually washed and waxed them. So they look just about as good as a 2009 van and a 2005 sedan are going to look. (laughs) So they're not new. They're not fancy. But we're doing our best to make them last. And uh, they're, they're shiny inside and out. And then after we cleaned off the cars, I took some time to water the garden, and I had to clean off the fence, and I swept out the garage, and I watered some grass that I'm trying to plant in the front of our house. So it was a good outside project kind of day. And uh, I I just enjoy when the weather's nice and you get the opportunity to work outside on things like that. Thankfully, the pollen isn't really bad today. So none of us were out there sneezing or dealing with any allergy problems or anything like that. And I'm grateful for that. It was a nice uh, way to spend part of the day together with my wife taking on some of these projects together. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today, we're talking about this idea of knowing God. And we're going to look at a variety of scriptures today, but we're going to start with John chapter 17, starting with verse 1. And this is what that passage tells us. It says this, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this passage together today, and we pray, Lord, that as we look at your Word, that you'd help us to grow in our walk with you. We pray that we would know you more clearly and more fully and more deeply, and we pray that we would be informed by your Word as your Holy Spirit applies this truth to our hearts and our minds and helps us to understand what you've communicated here. We thank you, Lord, for all of these things. We commit ourselves to you today, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm guessing that each of us probably have a list of people in this world that we would like to get to know. I'm sure that list includes plenty of people that we know about, but there's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. I had the opportunity the other day to look through hundreds of old family Pictures. And in the midst of the stacks of pictures, I came across a picture of my great grandfather, Joseph Lewis. Joseph Lewis, my great grandfather, was a coal miner in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And sadly, he died tragically in a mine accident many decades before I was born. But when I was a child, my grandmother, Nana, his daughter, used to tell me a lot about him. And through her, I learned that he was a kind man. Uh, I learned that when he would have to punish her brothers, he would often sit with them and cry afterward. It bothered him that much. He did what he had to do as a dad, but it seemed to really trouble him, so he'd sit and cry with them. She also told me that he was adored by the neighborhood children because he would frequently join them in playing games in the street outside their home in the evenings when other adults wouldn't bother with that. He would join them. He would play the games with them, and they loved him. And she told me so much about him that I can't help but look forward to meeting him in person someday in the Lord's presence. But for now, I don't know Him, and I've never met Him. I only know about Him. Well, our Lord wants to be known by us. Certainly, He wants us to know things about Him. But in addition to that, He has intentionally revealed Himself to us so that we can come to know Him in a personal and relational way. And Jesus spoke of this relationship in John chapter 17. And one of the things Jesus said in John chapter 17 is that those who know God are granted eternal life. Let me reread verse 3 of John 17. Jesus said this, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's John 17 verse 3. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Have you ever experienced a season of time when you felt like you were living in a rut? I remember a stretch of time in my early 30s when I felt like I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. I was leading several ministries at the time. Uh, All four of our kids were very young. And I barely had a moment of time that wasn't being demanded of me. I didn't have enough time to spend with my family, and I wasn't happy with what my life was starting to become. So, fed up with that kind of life, I made some drastic changes. I carved out dedicated time for my family. I started taking better care of my health. I scheduled vacations. I even started managing our personal finances differently. And in the process, I honestly believe I grew spiritually. And the end result was a much better daily life for me and my family. And when we begin looking through the pages of Scripture, it starts to become quite apparent that God is also highly concerned for our lives. He is the author of life, and He desires that we experience an abundant life in Him. Likewise, He tells us that He is offering us eternal life— And if we accept the gift of life he's graciously offering, our eternal life isn't something restricted solely to the future. It's something we can begin enjoying right now. Now, Jesus made it clear that eternal life is obtained through knowing God. In John 17, verse 3, he speaks of knowing God the Father and knowing himself, God the Son. In John 14, verses 9 and 10, Jesus also said, "'Whoever has seen me has seen the Father.'" How can you say, "'Show us the Father'? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me?' So what Christ was saying was, to know Christ, to know him, is to know the Father as well. And the way the word know is being used in John 17:3 it conveys a a very specific thought. It stresses a personal and relational knowledge, and we'll speak more about that in a moment, but please understand the point Jesus was making. Jesus was stressing that when we come to know him in a personal way, we are then blessed with eternal life. He delights to grant that life to you. Eternal life isn't a reward for service, Eternal life isn't a commendation for a life well lived. Eternal life in the presence of God is granted as a gift to all who know Him in a personal way. Christ Himself said that there will be a day when people will stand before Him who knew plenty about Him, and even did various deeds in his name, but because they never trusted in him or knew him in the personal sense, they will be cast away from his presence forever. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's what Jesus said, so the question we should be asking ourselves is this, do we know Jesus Christ in a personal way or not? Do you know Jesus Christ in a personal way? Do you have that kind of relationship with him? Because that's the kind of relationship he wants to have with you, and those who know him are granted eternal life. Something else we learn through the pages of Scripture is this. Knowing God is both an intellectual and relational exercise. And let me explain what I mean by that. First of all, let me say this. I enjoy reading about history, and I own quite a few books that chronicle the history of the United States and the history of this world. And one of the most amazing aspects of the era of history that we currently live in is the way in which information flows freely And rapidly, meaning with ease, and in mere moments, we can learn about any subject we choose. With a little research, we can learn how to repair a car, how to prepare a meal, or even diagnose the presence of skin cancer. We could also readily learn more about God Himself. At no point in recorded history have the scriptures and theological study aids been more readily available. To us, this podcast being one example. I, I look at the metrics for where people listen to this podcast from, and I recognize that even though I'm recording this here in the United States, some of you are listening to this podcast in places on this globe that I have never been and probably never will have the privilege to visit. All over the world, we have access to scripture, all over the world, we have access to theological study aids more access than any generation that's come before us. Knowing God is both an intellectual and relational exercise. Speaking of knowing God intellectually, Scripture gives us several examples that illustrate its importance, so I want to share several of them with you. One is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where it says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says this, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So what do those verses that I just read for us have in common? These are all portions of Scripture that encourage us to get to know the details about God. Obviously, the Lord wants us to know Him relationally, but in conjunction with that, and often coming before that, we learn intellectually some information about God. And as we study the Scriptures, we have to do so with the proper goal in mind. Our goal should be to know what God has revealed to us about himself for the purpose of knowing him more fully. I have met many people during the course of my life who practically have the Bible memorized, but their love for God seems to have grown cold, or maybe it was never there to begin with. I think it should also be pointed out that Satan himself knows the content of the scriptures, but doesn't couple that knowledge with trust or love. In fact, He makes a point to blind others from understanding what the Scriptures teach for the purpose of hindering them from knowing God. Knowing God is both an intellectual and relational exercise, and as we get to know the details that Scripture has revealed to us, we need to do so with the proper goal in mind, meaning that we should learn what God has revealed for the purpose of knowing Him more fully. Something else that God's Word reveals to us is this God wants to be known. God wants to be known by humanity, and there are multiple ways He has made His existence evident. There are many people who still choose to deny His existence, usually because to acknowledge His existence would demand a change in mindset and lifestyle, but to deny the existence of God also requires the denial of some very clear evidence to the contrary. Our God, who wants to be known, makes himself known through what he has created. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, this is what we're told. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Everything that exists had to come from one thing that didn't need to be created. There has to be one something that is eternal in nature, who initiated creation, because everything else we can observe is subject to the laws of cause and effect. So there has to be one causer who is self-existent and therefore didn't need to be caused in order to initiate what has been created. God also makes himself known through the orderliness of what he has made. The logic, structure, and clear organization of creation testifies to the fact that it exists by the intentional act of a creator. Now, if you walked into my office at my church, you would not assume that the hundreds of books on my shelves organized themselves by category. I'm a little bit OCD, and so all my books and Basically, everything in my office has kind of its own system of organization. And if you walked in there, you would rightly surmise that someone placed each book where it is intentionally. I actually was told of someone recently who organizes their books by color. Now, that's a little too far for me. (laughs) But if I went into their office, I would automatically assume somebody did this on purpose. This didn't just happen accidentally or randomly. And the same could be said about creation at large. Its intricate orderliness, including trees that shed leaves before it snows so their branches don't break, and babies' nostrils that remain harder than average until they no longer need to nurse so they don't suffocate when they're pressed up against their mother, and a sun that is 93 million miles from the earth because if it was closer, everything would burn up, and if it was further, everything would freeze. God has made Himself known, through the orderliness of what he has made. God also makes himself known through the morality and the intelligence of humanity. Our intrinsic sense of moral standards and our creativity both point to a moral and intelligent being who designed us in his image. Now, there's some other ways that God has made himself known. God makes himself known through Scripture. He has ordained over the course of hundreds of years and dozens of writers to progressively reveal more about His nature, His will, His plan of salvation, and the future that He has orchestrated. He has regularly confirmed the divine inspiration behind Scripture through hundreds of fulfilled prophecies that couldn't have been fulfilled by humanly orchestrated means. There's no possible way that we could have fulfilled these things through something we could have orchestrated. It shows that the Lord is behind it all. It also shows that His Word is accurate and reliable and divinely inspired. God's also made Himself known through miraculous forms of intervention. He has done such things such as speaking directly to people. He has flooded the earth. He parted the sea. Uh, He has caused food to rain from the sky. He has protected nations. He has caused the ground to open up. He sent angels, and Christ himself rose from the dead and appeared to hundreds of people over the course of 40 days. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, the scripture says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So through these miraculous forms of intervention, God has made himself known. And all this to say that God isn't attempting to remain hidden from us. He has made himself known to humanity in the most obvious ways possible, and he continues to do so. One other thing I want to point out to us today as we wrap up, and that's this. We are responsible for what we do with his revelation. Think about it. What should we make of all of this? God clearly wants to be known by His creation. Some people choose to squelch the knowledge of God, while others embrace knowing Him and seek to know Him even more. But truthfully, we are all responsible for what we do with His revelation. We can spend our lives living as if He isn't real, or we can take a look at what He has made, ponder our own design, and read his word with the goal that we be changed to better reflect him. Jesus came to this earth to rescue and redeem lost humanity, while making God known to us in the plainest way possible. In Christ, God could be seen with the naked eye. Yet still many people chose to go their own way and deny what was right in front of their face. I don't know if you're familiar with a man named Charles Spurgeon. He was a pastor in the 1800s, and when he was pastor at New Park Street in London, God used Spurgeon's words to bring about amazing changes in the lives of people. A man who was on his way to get some gin saw the crowd at the church door and pushed his way in to see what was going on. And at that moment, Spurgeon turned and faced the man and said that there was a man in the gallery who had a gin bottle in his pocket and had come with no good motive. The startled man listened to the rest of the message and came to faith in Christ. One evening, a prostitute, on her way to Blackfriars Bridge to commit suicide, stopped at the church, hoping to hear some word that would prepare her to meet her Maker. Spurgeon was preaching from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, the story of the prostitute who wiped Jesus' feet with her tears, and his text was verse 44 that says, Do you see this woman? As Spurgeon preached, the woman saw herself, but also saw the grace of God and trusted Christ Two examples of people that had the privilege to hear the Word of God proclaimed during the course of Charles Spurgeon's ministry, and they became convinced that they were now responsible for what they did with that revelation, and were responsible as well. We can know God today, not from a distance, but up close. He has ordained that salvation be found in no other name than the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He has intentionally revealed all of this to us, and he invites us to trust in him this moment. What will you do with what he has revealed to you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at it together today. Lord, we recognize that today we looked at a variety of scriptures, but Lord, your Word is one of the things that you utilize to help us to come to know you. You certainly use prophecy, you use the general text of your Word, you use creation, you use miracles, you use other people to point us toward yourself so that we would know you. Not just know about you, but that we would know you in a personal way. So, Lord, we pray that that would be the case for us today, that we would trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would receive the gift of salvation that you offer, that we would rejoice in the eternal life that we receive as a gift from your hand, and that we would know you deeply and fully. Thank you, Lord, for making this possible. We pray that we would no longer live at a distance from you, but that we would trust in you completely and fully and we thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you bestow upon us regularly. We commit ourselves to you today. We pray for your salvation, and we thank you for it. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we'd love for you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com, and sign up for our newsletter list. We send out a newsletter every Tuesday, and we'd love to be able to encourage you with that. So get on our newsletter list. We also include in that newsletter anything new that we've posted on our website. Again, the website, desirejesus.com. Stop by there today. We hope Hope you'll utilize the resources we have available for you there. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. or go to joshuafund.com to listen and subscribe.